0: Thanks, Dan. And uh, it's pretty special, isn't it? Uh, Yeah. almost don't need a sermon after that. But you're going to get one. Uh, Because we are talking about, uh, really at the heart of uh, what Sophie was talking about, this question, what does it mean to actually follow Jesus? And we don't, as we've said before, we don't want to be a church where Jesus is just a figurehead. We want him to be the functional head of our lives and of our church. And we understand what that means is there's some things we need to learn. Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you need to follow my teachings. You follow my way of doing life. We've had a crack at trying to name what that looks like with the the banners behind me, follow, bless and share. And there's all these behaviours that we see Jesus exhibiting and challenging us to exhibit. Uh, and uh, we want to be people who are gradually becoming people who do this kind of gear more often. And so each year we pick one of those, and this year we're looking at what does it mean to bless people. And as you came in, I hope everyone got one of these little uh, things that say, eat with people? So we want to talk about what does it mean to eat with people. It's not rocket science at one level. But at another level... I want to suggest to you that actually eating with people changes the world. Jesus was accused, you'll see, for those who uh, would like the, the notes for today's sermon, you'll find them, if you've got the Bible app on your phone uh, or on your device, the UVersion Bible app, uh, if you go to events there, then citywide will pop up and uh, the notes are there. Jesus was accused of being a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Jesus liked to party. He liked to hang around with people and to hang around with people you weren't meant to hang around with. There's a, an interesting uh, quote. Our teaching team pointed out to me, it's almost un- understandable, the quote uh, that's on the bottom of this. It's quite technical. But basically what it's saying is, Jesus did things backwards to how things were done back then, but also how often Christians do things today. Often we'll want people to be in the club before we hang out with them. Jesus did things exactly the opposite way. He would hang out with them before they would join the club. Does that make sense? It says, I mean, the technical language is communion first, conversion second. Jesus hung out with all the people you weren't supposed to hang out with. Hanging out with them, he wasn't wasn't scared that all of a sudden he's going to pick up diseases from a tax collector or he'll start thinking like a prostitute or he'll, you know, spend too much time down the pub with the guy who spends too much time down the pub. He wasn't worried about that. what he knew was that spending time with people changes their lives. And too often we want to change their lives before we spend time with them. The book of Hebrews tells us, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it, and there's some sense that there's probably a reference to Abraham, but also uh, this sense that you never know what blessing you'll get by just being willing and open to connect with people. Hospitality changes people's lives. What is hospitality? What does it mean to actually eat with people? Uh, A man who has a huge influence on me, uh, particularly through one of his books called Reaching Out, was uh, a man by the name of Henry Nguyen. He passed away just a few years ago. Uh, And he wrote, hospitality means primarily the creation of a free space where the stranger can enter and become a friend instead of an enemy. Hospitality isn't to change people, but to offer them space where change can take place. The Bible actually talks about some people having a gift of hospitality. It's kind of nice that my Auntie Rosie and Uncle Jimmy are here today. Uh, Auntie Rosie, I think, has a gift of hospitality. In fact, she was just pointing out that in her shed, she has a, uh, a karaoke machine. Uh, and, you know, being part of my family, everyone knows that means she can't sing. Uh, <laughs> but she's got like a slushy machine. Uh, what else have you got? Oh, yeah, a giant cactus to throw hoop- hoops on. Like she, she likes to welcome people and create a space where people can just come and have fun and be together she has what the bible would call a gift of hospitality not everybody does uh so, you know some people actually when like if I'm to be honest when i get on an airplane i'm trying to work out how not to sit next to somebody rather than how, how to sit next to somebody uh but uh, so i but i one of the things we have to come to terms with is uh, people like auntie rosie uh are essential, and we we need them, don't we? We need the people who create the space where everyone relaxes and feels comfortable. But the danger is we think, well, we'll just leave it all to them. And you can't actually try, uh, seriously try and follow Jesus and not be hospitable. Philippians 2 is the great chapter that um, spells out what it meant for Jesus to be a person. And... uh, there's technical language around it, but what it says is something absolutely countercultural for us here in middle-class Western Australia. Not Western Australia, middle... Class. We're, anyway, we're not in Western Australia, we're in Tasmania, in case anyone was worried. Uh, what it says, listen to this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit Rather, value others above yourselves. Do you get that? Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Can, as you hear that, can you? Hear, is there part of you that's going? No, that's not right. I shouldn't be valuing other people above me. People don't see me enough as it is. We live in a world that says the most important person in the world is you. The author of Philippians here goes on and, and nails this down to the, the significance of what he's saying. That's Paul saying, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Pretty countercultural, wouldn't you say? Do you, do you find yourself wanting to push back and say, that, that's not right. I've got to look after myself. No one else look after me. Do you find, is, is there part of you that wants to push back at this? In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, didn't consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Sophie was just talking about how transformative it is when you know the meaning of that cross. When you know the past can be over. One of the things we have to face, though, is we have our, our culture tells us to focus on ourselves and Western Christianity is an individualist Christianity and it's wrong. We are shaped to think it's all about me and my relationship with Jesus. Your relationship with Jesus, I hope, is precious and has changed your life. But our faith was never been designed to be a solo game. At the heart of our faith is this simple little symbolic meal, the meal of communion. And too often we come and we try and work out, okay, how am I with Jesus? And we make this a personal thing. There's only one direct teaching for the church about the meal of communion. Where they're getting it wrong and that's in the book of corinthians and you know what they're getting wrong they're making it all about themselves the apostle paul writes and says everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink the cup we're usually pretty good at that we're good at examining ourselves because that's we you know we we make this a personal thing but what does he say next he says for those this is one corinthians 11 for those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. What's the body of Christ? Look around. If you're, if you're at home and you're just watching this on your own, this is not going to be as easy. But but you need to look around. Your brothers and sisters here are the body of Christ. What Paul is saying is this meal of communion, this precious gift that Jesus gave us was never meant to be a solo thing. What was happening in their communions was the rich people were coming and having a big feast and the poor people were missing out. The rich people were making it all about themselves and the poor people were missing out. What Paul was wanting them to hear and us to hear, as we come together to worship... We come together to worship. And communion is meant to be the ultimate picture of eating together with other people and celebrating the gift of grace that was purchased on the cross. So I want to invite you to grab, uh, if, if you're at home, you probably can have something that tastes a little better than what we've got here. Uh, we've got these a little individually packaged things. But someone pointed out to me, it's almost like this liturgy that's emerged through COVID, that when we start talking about communion in our church here at Lena Valley, Valley in Mornington, you'll start... If you just stop and listen for a minute... You'll start hearing uh, the rappers opening. And it's, called, it's something that we're doing together, this sense that we are we're participating in this meal together. And in fact, one of the things we have to watch one, uh, is that we communion... Some churches go to the extreme where, well, for us it seems like an extreme, where through COVID they were not able to participate in communion at all uh, because they can only have communion if it's been blessed by a, a priest or uh, through uh, through the church service with their local minister there. As Baptists, we're, we're a little more relaxed about it. But there, there can be a danger that we over-personalise it. And, and I want to encourage those who are watching online, uh, if you only ever engage with church online, you're not actually engaging with church. Church is something we do together and communion is meant to be something we do together. It's wonderful that we can through technology create the space where people can participate at home and we're not going to stop doing that. But we just need to have a little reminder that this is something we are we do together. So let's uh, just stop and bring to mind what Sophie was saying about how significant the discovery that Jesus loves her was for her. That he died for her sins. And you need to understand her words are true for you too. And if you haven't yet come to terms with the fact that Jesus loves you and died for your sins, today's a great day to hear that for the first time. But even if you've been around church for a while, I just want to invite you to to picture Jesus on the cross. Picture it in your mind's eye and know He is there for you and for us. He died for you so that your past would not have to determine your future. Let's eat together. And we come to this symbol of Jesus' blood, this symbol of a new covenant that means that we can have a relationship with God, that the God of the universe wants to be your friend and our friend and he wants us to come together to him. I might just pray then we we'll drink this together. Jesus, we, we have no idea what it cost you but we see the impact of the price you paid in Sophie's face as she says, shares her story. And we share, she, share, she shares how her life has been transformed in the space of a year because she's discovered how much you love her. And, Jesus, I, I love the fact that this room and the room at Lena Valley and people watching, there are so many of us who would say the same, that our lives have been changed because we love you. We also acknowledge, Jesus, that there's plenty of times where we forget And uh, we take back the steering wheel of our own lives and we get a bit self-focused. Thank you for the reminder of this little communion meal that reminds us who you are and what's important. And now as we drink together, Jesus, we just want to together say thank you. Thank you for your blood that means we have a future with you. Amen. Let's drink together. It's not an accident that this little meal we've just participated in, the symbolic meal, is called communion. It is designed to be something we do together. It's designed to be a, a community experience. And it's it's interesting, the Apostle Paul says you need to, as you're doing it, you need to be conscious of each other. One of the awkward things about being conscious of each other is you will discover that other people have needs. One of the awkward things about being conscious of each other is you will discover discover that other people have needs. That, That if you are actually open to other people... It will, it will ask something of you. Gary Chapman writes, encouragement, to actually encourage someone, you've got to have empathy. And that means seeing the world from other people's perspective. We must first learn what's actually important to them. We live in a world that tries to put you in a bubble of your own thinking and your own way of seeing the world. We live in a world of algorithms that try to to feed you stuff that will just reinforce what you already think. The heart of the Christian faith is to be open to people who are different to us and to respond to their needs. So much so that the Apostle Paul tells us if our enemy is hungry, we actually need to feed them. And if he's thirsty, we need to give him something to drink. And that's how we're meant to treat our enemies. We're meant to to notice if our enemy's hungry or thirsty. We're meant to hang out with people and see them enough to understand what their needs are. We are invited to create space for other people. That's what we are. When the church is at its best, we create space for people. But hospitality is not just creating space for people. Eating with people is not just about listening to them all the time. Again, Henry Nguyen says, receptivity or creating space for people is only one side of hospitality. The other equally important side is confrontation. That's interesting, isn't it? Who likes confrontation? But this is what it means to be hospitable. What does he mean by this? To be receptive to the stranger in no way implies that we have to become neutral nobodies. Real receptivity asks for confrontation because space can only be a welcoming space when there are clear boundaries and boundaries are limits between which we define our own position. Flexible limits, but limits nonetheless. Confrontation results from the articulate presence, the presence within boundaries of the host to the guest, by which he offers himself as a point of orientation and a frame of reference. What does that mean? Well, let's be honest. It's tempting to put on a face, isn't it? It's tempting to, to try and uh, massage your public image so people think you know, you're something you're not. Look at any social media feed and you'll know. It's not, it's not actually who they are. You get them at the photos generally, unless something was really unusual, you get them at their best moments, sometimes even airbrushed with filters and, and that kind of thing. And it's tempting to, to not want to invite people to your home unless the house is tidy. It's tempting to not want to spend time with people if you're not quite sure what you're going to say or how things are going to be worked out. It's tempting to only want to engage with relationships that you know are safe and not threatening. And I think it's particularly these temptations are particularly challenging for us, us here at Citywide, if you don't mind me saying that, because we are a white, middle-class church. It's, not, it's different for the, the Nepalese congregation. They have other challenges. But for us, being white and middle-class means we tend to be a bit withdrawn. Paul says in Corinthians... Uh, Since through God's, this is 2 Corinthians 4, since we've got through God's mercy, we have this ministry, we don't lose heart. Rather, we've renounced secret and shameful ways and we don't use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. What he says is, I'm not going to put on an act. I'm not going to pretend to be something I'm not. I'm going to not try and manipulate an emotional response from you or try and look better than I am. I am going to be honest. And it's in that place of honesty that we find real relationship. And it's interesting, as... I don't know if you've I, I had a meal with a mate this week, and I was just I was reminded coming away from it. I went into the meal kind of thinking I knew how the conversation would go, and then I came away from it, realizing I had no clue uh, that like when you actually sit down and connect with people, you are not in control of the relationship. one of the One of the scary things about real relationship uh, is that it's a, something that happens between two people and neither of you are actually in control of what happens something emerges in the relationship between you and you both benefit from that it can be painful it can be wonderful but it will it will normally be a bit unexpected because if you knew exactly how the other person was going to respond then they then there's something probably wrong. You're not meeting them. Proverbs says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another person. Have you ever stopped and thought about it? How does iron actually sharpen iron? It comes together and rubs bits off. There There are sometimes even sparks that fly. But you can't sharpen iron with marshmallow. Well, It can be really tempting to want to be soft and fluffy and for people never to actually meet you. When we're talking about eating with people, we're not talking about eating alongside people. The only way to eat with people is for you to be honest and for them to get to know you and for them to be honest and, you, and them to get to know you. Now, I know it, it, it can be a bit of a daunting thing uh, because honesty always requires vulnerability. Relationships always require vulnerability. It's quite possible to have, be at the same table eating the same food but not actually eating with people you can be eating alongside people it's a different thing think about it. jesus always went there wherever people were scared to go in a conversation he would go there he would turn up and he would be honest and people his honesty changed people's lives i really want to encourage you we we long to be a church that really actually is a community where we actually do life together. We've got a way to go. We've got a way to go. But what will happen if we have the courage to eat meals together, to, to connect with each other, is you will become freer and freer and you'll learn more and more about yourself and other people because you'll be growing together. Now, there can be a sliding scale. It may be a bit daunting at first to invite someone over to your house for a meal. So can I encourage you, buy him a cup of coffee. Take him. to, go to a cafe. Laurie would tell me that the Lindisfarne mob would often go out to the the local, uh, what was it, Banjos or? Yeah, uh, Banjos, the, the little Lindisfarne church, the whole church would go out to uh, Banjos. I love that the, the Lena Valley crew often will uh, go to, they used to go to the Carlisle, but now where do they go? The Granada. Because the, the, uh, the, the, uh, the deal for pensioners is fantastic, <laughs> uh, which is great for the pensioners. But, 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 every, but for everyone else, is fantastic too. There's something about sharing a meal, but you can see there can be levels to it. At the heart of our faith, there is this assumption. Uh, 1 Peter says this, In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. I don't know how you found Sophie's sharing. But isn't there something powerful about someone just being honest about how much they love Jesus and how much he's changed their life? That's what changes the world. Someone just being honest. The starting point, though, is to actually, for that actually to be true. We can see in Sophie's face and hear in her voice that it's true. what Peter says here, in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. And then he says something funny. He says, if you're doing that, you're going to need to be prepared to give an answer to people who ask you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, he says. He assumes that if... If you are open to God and He's changed your life, and if you're just being you, people are going to ask you, how come you're so hopeful? Where does your hope come from? That won't happen if you're not sharing meals with people, if you're not eating with people, if you're not sharing life with people, if you're stuck in in your own room watching your YouTube feed, or if you're, you know stuck in the same group of friends who sort of have made an agreement to keep the conversation superficial, people won't be asking you about your hope. But if you can actually share life with people and share what's going on for you and share what God actually means for you, that will change people's lives. It'll also change your life because... There's something about being honest that actually helps you, funnily enough. We, we know, I know, the, the Nepalese do this well. They have other challenges to do with uh, respect for authority and how real you can be in presence of authority and other things, that, that they'll, that, the other challenges to community. But for them, sharing meals is just part of life. That's what they do. Uh, we we got to get better at it. That's why we as a church... Uh, we want to learn from them. I'm so, so grateful whenever we get to hang out with them. Uh, and we've also implemented dinner together. Just once a month. It's not complicated. It's an hour and a half of your month where you will meet people you probably haven't met before and you'll share a meal with them and we'll have some uh, question like what your favourite holiday has been or something like that. It's, it's, it's not a Bible study. It is simply a time to share a meal together and connect with people you might not ordinarily connect with. Again, some people will think that church should be this place where you only come and sing worship songs and listen to the Bible and, and, and look really religious. The thing about Jesus is he didn't look really religious. He hung out with people he wasn't meant to hang out with. People accused him of being a glutton and a drunkard. And I, I think we need to learn to live the kind of life where we, the, the kind of people we hang out with offend the sensible people. Because that's what happened for Jesus. Jesus hung out with people who, were, who offended the sensible people. And he loved them. And, he, and they knew he loved them. That's our task. So for us, dinner together isn't the be-all and end-all, but it is our hope is once a month... That we can share a meal together, and that you can invite some of your friends to meet some of your church friends too, Uh, and that it can be just a relaxed time where we have a share a meal together, in different people's places, and everybody uh, brings a main course to share. So the people's house you're going to isn't, you know, they don't have to do it all. They'll provide a dessert, but but it's a it's a moment just to share and be together. Can I encourage you? Uh, we, we don't think dinner together is meant to, you know, change the world. It's, it, but it's a practice. It's a practice to help us get in the habit of sharing meals together. And, she, and I am convinced that if we can honestly share meals together, uh, the world will change. Because people will be meeting real people who, who have had their lives impacted by Jesus. I hope you've got this. This is a, this is our sort of introduction. On the back of it, there's a whole bunch of questions that are based on our understanding of what it means to gradually become more like Jesus. There's a, a diagram we introduced you to a couple of years ago uh, where the, the idea that is the more you focus on Jesus, if you can then be honest and reflect on your life and how it is and compares to Jesus, and you'll see there's some questions there to help you reflect, like... Things like, what have been some of your most enjoyable meals with friends? Or how many of your meals have been eaten while you're distracted by something else? Just things that help you reflect on how you, what's actually happening for your life. And then recognising, you know, what could change? How could you hang out? How could you connect with people more? And then choosing, what, what do you want to change in your life? And then the challenge is, what are you, what are you actually going to do? All these follow, bless and share behaviours are meant to be behaviours that we put into practice, that we have a crack at at trying to live like Jesus taught us to live. And one of the great ways he taught us to live is to party, (laughs) to hang out with people, to love people who don't fit the boxes, to, to not just hang out with the religious people, but hang out with the awkward people and love them and share who we actually are. That's who we're called to be. Now, for many of us, it's going to take a lot of courage. To spend time with people who we don't feel safe with takes courage. To spend time with people particularly, and to invite people to your house, if it's not absolutely pristine, can take courage. Uh, Because you might be worried about that they'll judge you for not having it pristine or... And if you're not, if you're worried about your cooking, you know, I'm fortunate. I, I married someone who can cook, uh, but there are ways. Like the, the five-dollar chook at Woolworths is is a great way to put on a feed for someone. uh ten dollars. Okay, it's now ten dollars. Yeah, it's inflation for you. But can I can I encourage you now? <laughs> now that's got people going. Uh, can I can I encourage you now? to think about this coming week. Who can you share a meal with? And and can can I encourage you to share meals with people who aren't part of your church, family and people who are? And and in the next couple of days, can I encourage you to sign up for dinner together? There's a a link in the sermon notes. You can just click on that and it'll take you to the the website. Uh, It's just on the website. If you go to www.citywide.org.au, dinner-together. And that's where you can sign up. Otherwise, just let Jan know, or well, they've actually got pieces of paper up here to sign up for it. But for us, this is not a small thing. We genuinely want to be a church that moves towards being a community, and we—if we're honest—we've got a long way to go. I, I don't think community is normal in the Western world. It's certainly not normal in middle-class Tasmania, and we've got to learn how to do it. So we need your help. We need your courage. And we need Jesus to, to lead us. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you so much that we don't have to be religious and hang out with all the you know, people that are uptight and have all the right answers. Thank you so much that you came to show us how to party. You came to show us how to hang out with people who are a bit awkward, who, who, who people get worried about that you came and showed by loving people, that's actually how the world changes, not by us you know, coming up with clever marketing campaigns or clever slogans or anything. Jesus, you came to show us how to do life and life is done in community. Can you help us be... Uh, can you please, Jesus, help us? We we acknowledge we've got a long way to go. Uh, so can you help us in the moments... Next week when we get together for lunch after the service, can you just help it be a, a time of community? Next next time when we get together on Friday, next Friday night for dinner together can you, can you help it be a time where we get to, to know each other better can you help us have the courage to share with each other in community and I just ask that in your name amen back to you Dan